Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, we're asking this question. How do you live in spiritual warfare? How does the Christian live in spiritual warfare in the midst of it all? That's next on the West Coast Gospel Hour. So stay tuned. Hey, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. We want to remind you that uh, you can listen to every live broadcast on the replay here on Fig Tree Watchers on Instagram, or you can go to the podcast the next day and listen to it on all the major podcast platforms. We want to thank you for joining us here and remind you also that you can go to figtreewatchers.com. You can email us from there with any questions you might have. We're we're great about responding. Uh, Or you can uh, ask us a message here on Instagram. And... uh, Tonight we are in 1 Samuel chapter 19, so if you want to go ahead and turn there while we're waiting for uh, everyone else to join us, feel free to do that. We're going through the whole chapter of 1 Samuel 19 uh, today, and it's really about waiting on God in the midst of spiritual warfare tonight. Are you serving God while you're waiting on the Lord? Are you trusting in the Lord? This is a great one tonight, I'm telling you. You're not going to want to miss this discussion because it is critical to our understanding of how we're supposed to behave and what God is doing in the midst of incredible spiritual uh, warfare that is going on. And so I encourage you all, Uh, to listen to what's going on tonight through the scripture. Not my words, but to trust what the scripture is going to teach us. Remember what the Bible says, to him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So uh, this is going to be an exciting night, I think, and there's a lot to learn here. I will tell you flat out, I I was kind of stunned when I... uh, finished preparing for this because I learned a lot in my own walk with God and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you alright let's begin with prayer dear Father God we want to thank you Lord that uh, we can come into your presence tonight And uh, we can study your word and we can learn from your word how we are to behave in the midst of great uh, trials and calamity and fear and spiritual warfare, Lord, that is going on all around us. We thank you, God, for the examples you have provided for us in scripture because we know that all scripture is God-breathed and is great for teaching and reproofing and correcting God. And it, it just demonstrates how much you love us, O Lord. So, Father God, we thank you for the scripture. May it change our hearts, O God, and transform our minds. May our faith grow in you. May we put our trust in you. May we be found ready upon your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we are in uh, 1 Samuel, and uh, I want to welcome you to Fig Tree Watchers tonight. Uh, I'm posting up the scripture in case anyone... um, comes in late 
1 Samuel 9, 1 through 24. Let's go ahead and begin in the reading of the scripture tonight. Uh, and we have been going through uh, 1 Samuel, and it has been quite exciting. I've been pretty excited about this whole book. as It has really been preparing us uh, for the times that we are living in. Let's begin with verse 1. Now, Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. When Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall, so David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal uh, let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michal took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was an image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michal, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michal answered Saul. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naioth. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to David, 
And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Sehu. So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Nahoy in Ramah. So he went there to Nahoy in Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nahoy at Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and laid down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture. Now, this is kind of a crazy story, and you may be asking, what does this have to do with spiritual warfare? It has everything to do with spiritual warfare. God is literally using this example for us, this story tonight, to lay out what spiritual warfare looks like in the real world, but also what God is doing behind the scenes. And uh, this is so important that tonight I am asking you, pull out your pen and paper, take notes on this. Because this is going to help you greatly with what is coming upon the body of Christ in the next year and after. That this will prepare you for what you need to endure through based on what Satan is, is bringing upon the church and the body of Christ. Let's begin unpacking this passage. So we know that David has the anointing of God on him. The prophet Samuel anointed him. He's supposed to be king. God has told him he's going to be king. He knows he's going to be king. Yet David is still humble before the Lord and he's not usurping his authority. He is waiting on the Lord. Like that, that song that I played at the beginning. He is waiting on the Lord. And he is worshiping the Lord. He is doing everything right. His wisdom is sound. He is considered wise beyond his, his years. He's doing everything. But these bad things keep happening because he's got, he works for a jealous boss, a jealous king. Like we do. We work for a king, President Biden, who is very jealous, who is not walking with the Lord, that he's doing everything wrong. And he is acting wickedly. And in this case, his wrath, the wrath of, of, of our leader and, and the wrath of, of David's leader is going to come against David. And it's going to come against us. So I want you to first off, as you're getting ready to unpack this passage, look at 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you all right this isn't some strange thing that is happening to us in the body of christ so we're not to be shocked by it 
Okay? But Peter says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. And when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let no one of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for the judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, then what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Why is Peter telling us this? Because he's warning us that our behavior needs to be exemplary before God. We have to live righteously. We have to do good constantly, even when the enemy is attacking, even when the fiery darts are coming at us, even when Satan is fully on us. We have to have an attitude of rejoicing. We have to have an attitude of of being humble and obeying God's word and doing what is right in the land and not doing wrong, not doing evil for evil. And this is so important. So here in, in as we go through the passage, David is being warned by Jonathan. He's giving, Jonathan is giving sound counsel to David. This is number one for a Christian. You need to listen to sound biblical counsel of people you know are walking in the Lord. David trusted Jonathan because Jonathan had the characteristic of someone he could trust in the Lord. He was truthful. He was honest. He was courageous. He exemplified all the characteristics of a godly man. And so David could trust Jonathan, even though he was the son of the king who wanted to kill him. So surround yourself, number one, with wise counsel that you can depend on that is from the Lord. Those who are in the word of God, who speak truth, who are truthful in what they do. That's number one. And David did that. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against you. This brings us to number two. Do not sin against the nation that we belong to. Do not sin against those who are persecuting you. Do not sin against those who hate you. Do not bring revile against revile. Do what is right and honor those who are persecuting you at all times. This is the hardest thing for a Christian to do, right? But remember what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35? Okay, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. By this, the whole world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The key for this is to demonstrate love so that the world will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ by your love, not your reviling for revile, 
not for your vengeance against persecution, not because you show temper and get angry all the time because of what's going on around you. No, on the contrary, David did not sin against the man who was trying to kill him. David did not sin. And in the same way, that's what Peter is saying. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Why? Let no one of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if you suffer as a Christian, what is a Christian? A Christian is one who follows Jesus, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to behave like Jesus did. He was in the world. He was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. Did not sin. When spiritual warfare comes against you, don't respond with sin. Respond with righteousness. Live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Know that you have enemies. They hate you because Jesus said they hated me. They will hate you because they hate me. Not me, but Jesus, right? Jonathan reminds, a godly man will remind and step in on behalf of the persecuted. And this is what we are to do. You are to step in when your brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted. You are to step in if you have the ability to influence those around you and say this fact. Remind them of the good works. Remind the person who is persecuting other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Remind them and say, hey, these are the good works they're doing. You have an obligation, as Jonathan did, to step in and remind the persecutor, remind the person that is doing the wrong of the good things that they have done. What David did. And he even reminded him and said, you saw it and rejoiced. It's like going to a boss and saying, hey, this guy's making you a ton of money. Why are you giving him such a hard time? It's your duty as a believer to protect other believers, to stand in the gap for them, not just with prayer, but with words and with action. So when you're facing spiritual warfare, you also need to stand in the gap for your fellow believers. You need to rise up and be accountable and say that you will defend them because they are your brothers and sisters in Christ, not with violence, not with swords or weapons, but with the actions and behavior of a God-fearing individual. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan. And I want to bring this up to you because this is a very important. In this chapter, there is constantly an obstacle that comes at David. And every single time, God blocks the obstacle. In fact, you could say this, right? If God be for me, who can stand against me? Obstacle number one is, here Saul wants to kill David. There's the obstacle that David has in front of his life that the king of Israel, the man that leads the nation, wants to kill him. And God intervenes and brings Jonathan, a godly man, to give counsel to his father to hide David and prevent the king from killing him. And so the king changes his mind. 
I want you to understand this because I said I was going to give you the earthly view and the godly view in this, in spiritual warfare. As David's facing this warfare, God's interfering. God is working behind the scenes and God is stopping Saul, King Saul, from killing David. And you may be going, I don't see, where's God? What's God doing? Well, God is working. You can trust that God is working. It reminds me of what Paul said at the end of 1 Thessalonians. He is faithful and he will do it. You can trust that God is going to bring you through it all. In fact, I want to share this verse because I think it's appropriate to share it right here and right now with you. Let me remind you, for those of you who went through 1 Thessalonians um, with us, listen to what the passage is saying. Starting in verse 23, looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless, just as David was blameless in not sinning against a corrupt king, a king who is trying to kill him, we must remain blameless before our king of the earth. We must remain blameless so that nothing can be attributed to us that we have done anything wrong, right? We remain blameless at the coming of our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. What will he do? He will fulfill every promise he's made to you. You need to be ready. You need to understand that the glory that is coming is soon going to be revealed to the whole world. And God is going to look at your life individually and say, did you do right? Were you blameless at my coming? Be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that Saul listened and God intervened and changed Saul's mind. But that wasn't the first time in this chapter. We're going to see it repeatedly. Come on, obstacle, God's intervention. Obstacle, God's intervention. This is why I said this is spiritual warfare, right? For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, right? It's spiritual forces of darkness. Why is this happening? What's the main theme? Why is Saul so desperate to kill David? It's not just because he's jealous. No, it's because Satan is trying to kill David. Why? Because Satan knows that the prophecy has been declared that through the root of Jesse, the son of David, the Messiah is going to come into the world. If, 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 Satan can kill David, the Messiah can't come, and God is a liar. So Satan wants to kill David. There is a calling on your life that God has brought you to the position where you are. And Satan is going to do everything he can to destroy the destiny that God has for you in your calling. Do not give Satan an inch. Do not let them look at you as someone who does wrong. Be the Christian. Be the follower of Christ. Now listen, in verse 9, we come to this. War breaks out in verse 8. 
And once again, God brings David up for that moment and he just brings David right to the point of history where he needs to be and he destroys the Philistines and says he struck them with a mighty blow and they fled from him. Satan goes, okay, here to strike the jealousy cord with Saul again. Saul's jealous. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. Why, why does it say it's a distressing spirit from the Lord? For those of you who were with me in the other chapter, why is this? Because Saul is unrepentant. He's unrepentant and God is trying to convict him to repent, but Saul is turning not towards repentance. He's hardening his heart against God. Remember what 2 Corinthians tells us, that godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. But it can also cause a person to become hardened of heart. Not because God is causing it, but because your bitterness is causing it. You're looking at what you've lost instead of what you gained. Saul was so consumed by the fact that he was not gonna become king, that the line of Christ wasn't gonna come from him because that got all taken away, that his kingdom reign would not last forever. It wouldn't go to Jonathan. He was so consumed by what he lost that he forgot about the salvation in God that he had, what he had gained. That God could forgive him and grant him peace in his soul. So he was distressed over this. And so David was playing music to calm him down, worship music. And Saul tries to kill him with a spear. And miraculously, God interferes again. The king of the nation throws a spear at David and David gets away. He gets away. God intervenes again. Look, how many times do I have to say it? If God be for us, who can be against us? There is nothing that Satan can do to you. Why are you afraid? For God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. This is spiritual warfare that you're seeing in the real realm, in real time, in this scenario that God is laying out through us in the book of 1 Samuel. This is not just some fantasy tale. This is a true story in which you're getting to see the, the realm of earth and the realm of the kingdom of God at hand. And what is being done on earth is being done at the will of God the Father, the sovereign God in heaven. And so you can see that this spiritual warfare that is taking place on earth God is sovereign enough and he's taking control over the whole situation. And so my question to you is, why are you afraid? Why are you doubting what God can do in your life right now? No matter what the world does to you, God can intervene. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Satan can't. The spiritual forces of darkness, the principalities, they cannot stand. They didn't stand as Saul repeatedly tried to kill David. God interfered and intervened because God is going to accomplish everything 
he desires. Look, I want to I want to read this to you. This is so important. This is from Isaiah. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Our sovereign God will accomplish all things, even through our free will, even through the wicked acts of Satan, even through the fiery challenges that we face, the strange things that are occurring in our life. God is still sovereign and he will accomplish it. And that's why in Thessalonians, he is faithful and he will do it. He is faithful and he will do it. So, David escapes that night after Saul tries to throw the spear at him. Then in verse 11 of chapter 19, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you're going to be killed. So God sends messengers to warn you when times are getting difficult. And she does everything she can to protect it. Notice what's happening. God sends Jonathan, a godly man, a righteous man. God sends Michal, his godly wife, to intervene on behalf, to warn. God is going to send people in your life to protect you at those times. You need to listen to him who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You have to have an ear to hear. You have to have eyes to see that God is giving you. And you have to know by knowing the word of God. Grant asking God to grant you godly wisdom and he will provide it. He's done it right here. And so she hides him away in the bed uh, with a fake David <laughs> and he flees. And Saul goes, you know, goes and kind of yells at her. Why did you do this? This is his daughter. So not only has his son helped David out, but his daughter. Listen, the the enemy of you, the, the president of the United States, his own children can turn against him and help you out if that's what God wills. If that's what God wills. There is nothing that can stand against you if you are walking righteously. But remember, David did not sin against Saul. So don't sin. Then David does something really smart. And this is the fourth point when you're facing spiritual warfare. David flees to the counsel of godly men. He flees to those who are righteously doing what is right in their lives. The prophets of God, he flees to Samuel. He seeks godly counsel. He goes to Samuel. He tells Samuel everything that is going on. You need to surround yourself, and I, I firmly believe this, every single believer needs to have, whether you're a woman or a guy, you need to have a version of a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. You need to run towards accountability. You need to have that, that Barnabas in your life, the son of encouragement, and you need to have a, a Timothy because you will learn a ton from your Timothy. 
I promise you this. In discipleship, the best part of discipleship for me is what I learn from my disciples in my walk with God. Those who I'm discipling. But you need a Barnabas and you need a Paul. Look at these three figures are all here basically in David's life. He has the accountability of Samuel. He has the Barnabas that is really probably his wife and the good counsel. Uh, or you could say he has the Jonathan in his life and then he has Michal, his wife, as the Timothy. You're, he's got that counsel. He's got those three individuals in his life. We, you need to surround yourself with godly men and women in your life who can provide your counsel. You need, if you're a woman, you need that Lydia. You need that Deborah in your life. And you need the, the Mary Magdalene's in your life who you're discipling and mentoring. You need to surround yourself with godly individuals at all times. I, I have purposely chosen to have those people in my life and value their friendship and their, and their godliness because when things become dark and when things are, are growing in despair, I can go to them and I know they will pray for me. And listen what happens. You think the battle's over? The spiritual warfare is over because he just comes to Samuel? No, it continues. Listen, so Samuel went and stayed at Nioth. Now it was told to Saul saying, take note, David is Nioth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. Take him. I want you. So the king sends ungodly men to go and kill David. Take him, right? And what happens? Number one, okay? Saul sends the messengers. They saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as a leader over them. The spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. Suddenly they got saved. <laughs> they got transformed and they started to prophesy. What is prophecy? In this case, it is edifying. They started edifying and blessing David and speaking edification over the people of Israel and over David. God can do the supernatural with your enemy. He can turn your enemy into an ally. Okay, well, that wasn't good enough, right? So Saul, when Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again three more times, right? God intervenes, God intervenes, God intervenes. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Why do you fear what Satan can do right now? Why? Why do you fear? And finally, Saul's like, okay, I'm going. I'm going to go and kill. I'm going to do it. All right? Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Once he's done it. Now twice he's done it. Now three times he's done it. Then he sent three groups of messengers. Now he's coming himself. And God just goes, really? You think you can stand against me? Do you think the Antichrist can stand against Jesus? No, he can't. Yes, is he sounding like he can succeed because he's going to kill myriads of individuals during the tribulation? Uh, sounds pretty powerful guy, but he can't stand against Jesus. He can't stand against the sovereign will of God. So why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? 
And so Saul comes and he begins to prophesy Arama. He begins to edify David. David's enemy begins to edify David and bless him, prophesying. So, so crazy does it get that Saul strips off his clothes and lies naked before the Lord, right? Day and night, day and night, it says. And it's so ridiculous what happens to Saul that the people start going, is Saul also among the prophets? Like, what, it, it, is this... Is this just turned into the, what? Is he now a believer? <laughs> Could you imagine Joe Biden? Could you imagine Putin? Could you imagine President Xi of China? Kim Jong-un of North Korea? Could you imagine? Look, I, I want you to understand that what God wants to accomplish He's going to accomplish it. I want to give you some scriptures to encourage you. Right? 1 Kings 8.57 May the Lord our God be with us. He was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. This is an understanding. God is consistent. Okay? I love this to Elisha. Uh, Elisha uh, answered, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Why? Because we have God and all the angels of heaven with us. But more important, we have our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit guiding us. We have a great multitude of witnesses, Hebrews tells us. We are surrounded by a multitude of witnesses. Listen to this. Um, this is from Psalms, right? The Lord is on my side. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalms 118.6. Isaiah 8.10. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not happen. For God is with us. And in Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Wow, that's our God. That's our impossible God. The, where nothing is impossible for him. The, nothing. And yet we're sitting here as cowards in the acts of spiritual warfare. This, this story of David and Saul is there in scripture to teach us, to reproof us, to correct us, for us to understand how spiritual warfare takes place in the life of the believer, how we're seeing the earthly scene, but God is doing the supernatural in the background. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to take whatever the world is telling us to do that we know is not right, we can stand against it. We don't need to, to cower in fear. We can be strong in the Lord and we can trust that God is gonna get us through the trials that are going on, that he is with us, that he is the Lord. I encourage you all to trust in the Lord in all things. 
Psalms 34.8 says this, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. David did not sin against King Saul, even though he had every excuse to sin against him. But he didn't. He did what was right before the Lord because he feared the Lord and he trusted that God was going to bring everything about in the Lord's timing. And David trust in God's timing, not his own. Do you trust in God's timing? Do you, are you faithful to God in his timing? That's, those are the questions you need to ask. And you need to take it before the Lord and ask him. I hope that this encouraged you greatly tonight as it did me. I, 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 as I was going through every time God intervened in the story, I just was rejoicing because I thought about circumstances in my own life where God intervened when it seemed absolutely hopeless. When everything was down and out. There was God to intervene. I pray that your faith may grow and abound in him and know that the Lord is good and he will intervene. He is faithful and he will do it because that's who Jesus is. That's who our Lord God is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Do what's good. Do what's good before the Lord. That's it. That is all I have on this passage. Um, I, I hope you're pumped to face the Lord tomorrow morning to say, okay, God, let Satan fire his shots because I know you're with me. I know you're with me. Are you ready to face tomorrow? Are you ready to rejoice, to sing on the battlefield? That's a great song I was thinking about too, sing on the battlefield. Great song. Are you ready? Because God is with you and Satan cannot stand. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Fig Tree Watchers. Um, if you have any questions about tonight and if you wanna know the God uh, that we spoke about tonight, in a personal manner, I would encourage you to come and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Um, we have a few minutes. If any of you want to make a comment or say anything, uh, you're welcome to come on live right now and mention anything you want to talk about. Um, I, I do want to pray, and, and if there's someone that comes on at the end that wants to come on and, and messages me, we'll, we'll bring you on live and, and we'll talk um, with the last few minutes that we have. We have about 15, 20 minutes here. Dear Lord Jesus, I, I come before you, God, and I, I bring up the prayers of those who are suffering, uh, those who are have family members in the hospital. We pray for the, the, the church right now, God, that is in disarray. We also pray for the people of Ukraine, oh God. We pray for a miracle over there right now that 
they're saying that by three o'clock tomorrow morning that Russia will begin its invasion of the Ukraine. God, if there's any way, any way that you could stop this, O oh Lord, that you could protect those who are believers in you in the Ukraine, that you could watch over them and, and guard them and protect them from this abomination that is coming upon them, O oh Lord. Lord, war is, is not a good thing, but I know that in the midst of this horrific act, you are still sovereign. Lord, if there's any way that you could bring our nation to repentance, Lord, I pray for the people of Canada who are also facing a ruthless dictator, a man who thinks that the di dictatorship of China and Russia is a good thing. God, he is about to en enact an evil thing upon his people. I pray, O oh God, that you would stop him in the name of Jesus, that you would rise up godly men and women who will say, no, we're not letting you do this. That you would give courage to the soldiers and to the police officers to stand up and say, no, no more. We're not, we're not doing this. That God, that you would raise up those who, who will stand up and say, we need to do what is right before God. Lord, let courage run amok in Canada and in this United States of America, O oh Lord. Let your word prevail in all things. Let righteousness prevail. Let truth prevail. Let your goodness prevail here and in Canada, in Ukraine, and in Australia, New Zealand, Lord. We pray for victory, your victory, God, not the victory of the enemy, but for you to have victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I didn't see anybody wanting to join or, or say anything, but uh, um, I want to thank you all for joining Fig Tree Watchers. Remember that uh, um, you can listen to the replay of this live broadcast here on Instagram or on podcast form on all the major platforms, uh, uh, Apple, iTunes, um, uh, Google, Spotify, Anchor. Um, we'd encourage you to listen. Um, send us back your feedback. We love your feedback. And uh, thanks for watching tonight here on Fig Tree Watchers. God bless you, everyone, and good night.